On today's episode of Black Equity Podcast, we sit down with Zaza Ali. She's an author, alchemist, and she's one of the great minds of today. On today's episode, we explore many different topics. One of my favorite things that uh, stood out to me during this conversation is this idea of wealth consciousness and this idea of collective consciousness. And what does it all mean? And how do we raise the standards of society and the people around us? And really, how do we raise the standards within ourselves? And what does that look like? It's really exciting. I really am excited for everyone to listen to this episode um, because it actually helped change where I was in my life, right? You know, when we recorded this episode, it raised my standards of what I was looking for. And it, it actually put me in a place where I had to really start shifting and deciding, you know, who do I want around me, you know? I see so many people on social media talking about chasing the bag and going after the bag. And Zaza was talking about something in this episode that really stood out about chasing the bag. And I really want everyone to hear it. Uh, I'll talk to you at the end of this episode and get your thoughts. But I'm really excited about today's episode because I think it's going to be life-changing. I think this is true black equity as we create a more equitable society. I'm DJ Motri of Black Equity Network. And welcome to Black Equity Podcast. All right, we are back for another great episode of Black Equity Podcast, and I am definitely excited about this conversation. I believe this person that is joining me today is one of the great thought leaders of modern day times. I'm not trying to hype it up, I promise you. Uh, I've been watching her videos on YouTube and just the way she has elevated my mind, my, my way of thinking, I hope that you will also have that same experience as well uh, through this conversation and exploring her work. I want to welcome uh, thought leader uh, Zaza Ali. Welcome to Black Equity Podcast. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you for having me and peace and love to your audience. Thank you. Thank you so much. For those who don't know who you are, just tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you have positioned yourself as what I call a thought leader in society and culture. Well, uh, I, I, um, I think through life, <laughs> obviously, but let me get right. to the question first. Um, I am an author, uh, probably first. That's my claim to fame in my mind. Um, I have self-published two books and four workbooks um, dealing from everything from the scientific intervention in our affairs uh, to metaphysics workbooks. Um, I have done everything from radio to um, speaking engagements at colleges across the country to mom and pop shops. Um, I think there's a subset of people that know me most for the scientific intervention in our affairs, uh, dealing with topics about chemtrails and um, genetically modified food and the V word um, and things of that nature. And then there is a subset of people that know me for, you know, black power, uh, black love, black revolution. And then there's a subset of people that know me for metaphysics and spiritual teachings. Um, so I'm at a point now where I'm trying to bridge all of those very different <laughs> categories and subsets and kind of bring them all to the center. Um, but I would say that's kind of, you know, the, the main focus of my work, those three things. Um, and 
just living life. You know, when I was growing up in Oakland, California, um, I was noticing that crack cocaine was destroying, you know, a burgeoning black community and culture. And I wanted to understand why. So I think that was probably what inspired me or intrigued me about looking into, you know, the scientific intervention in our affairs, so to speak. And then later I learned about chemtrails and started researching that. Um, I'm an avid student of history. So I was, you know, went through a binge um, in my college years of studying African history and culture to try to understand how we got to the, you know, the point in the stage that we are now. Um, so I think that's where the, the black love and, and, you know, kind of loyalty to our story and our, and our culture, so to speak, uh, stepped in. And then the metaphysics and spiritual aspect was just from living life, you know what I mean? And from observing and being a mother, um, having deep compassion and empathy for the world, loving, you know, nature and God as it expresses itself everywhere. So yeah, that's kind of, um, you know, a short story to a long tale. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to exploring how all those are interconnected. The first question that came to my mind is, is there a easy crossover for the audience that uh, loves you for the Black love and the Black revolutionary? Are they easily receptive to metaphysics and thinking uh, on, on that plane? Or is that two different worlds? Some but it's two different worlds. And it's fascinating to me because if we really understood our culture and the spiritual you know, prowess that our ancestors carried and, and left plenty of evidence to, um, we, I don't think we would shun and dismiss spirituality and metaphysics as much as mm. we do. Um, but yeah, I when I first started to kind of make that pivot, I got a lot of backlash and people were like, you know, we don't really want to hear that Zen stuff. You know, we want to deal with the reality on the ground, so to speak, not understanding that the Zen stuff is what creates the reality on the ground. Right. Business right. creates reality. Thoughts produce things. Right. How you're thinking and feeling is what's creating your reality. So my goal is to try to kind of get us to respect the spiritual science and be interested and intrigued. Um, so I think if anything, you know, I, I notice we don't really have a, um, not just that we don't teach it in the schools, but that we don't really have a thirst for knowledge anymore and, and you know, an inquisitive nature, so to speak, um, about things beyond the surface. So my goal is to make it interesting right? Make learning interesting. So I try to use different mediums to get people interested and intrigued. So, I, you know, because dragging people and trying to get them to learn about things like this is a waste of time. I've noticed that. So I try to get things, you know, that 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 kind of pull people in and make them interested, like music, so to speak, and the frequencies of music and how it affects you in deeper ways. Um, but yeah, I don't think our people and our culture really respect um, and this is obviously collectively um, respect spirituality and the metaphysics of spirituality as much as we should. So if you don't mind, let's go down that road just, just a little bit. Sure. To you, what is metaphysics? How do we define that? How do we see that from your perspective? Metaphysics is a, is a deeper, uh, um, you know, investigation, so to speak, or looking beneath the surface of anything. Right. Mm. We could have a conversation about the metaphysics of podcasts. Right. And you could take me into not only, you know, the, the analytics and the science of how it works. Right. How to work the the the, um, the uh, materials and the uh, utilities. But then also, you know, we could go into the science of the voice. 
right? Mm -hmm. And how your voice as a black man projects a certain frequency, right? They have been, if you think about the, the, the um, um, God, my brain just froze, uh, uh, commercials, right? Mm -hmm. And throughout time, how they've used black men, right? For insurance companies and whatnot. Black men's voice has a certain resonance, right? That affects mm -hmm. people in a different type of way. There's a whole science behind it. That's metaphysics. And that's, it goes right into your podcast and what you're doing, right? And how the voice projects, right? So just mm -hmm. the, the, you know, the deeper understanding and, and research into or looking into any particular thing. Right. So for me, the metaphysics of the study of the planet and nature, right, is directly tied to the metaphysics of humanity. You know what I mean? So just yeah. uh, going beneath the surface and looking into things instead of just looking at them. Mm, okay. And so when you look at the metaphysics of Black culture today, mm -hmm. and I know that this is a loaded, probably a loaded <laughs> topic, loaded question, but mm -hmm. I want to go there. Yeah. What is the metaphysics of Black culture, Black equity, Black revolution? What is it saying to you right now? What are you picking up? That we are playing checkers in a game of chess. Ooh, okay. <laughs> How so? How so? And that we are using utilities and um, language that is outdated and mm -hmm. primitive in a lot of ways. Um, and, and, you know, obviously I could pivot from that and say, you know, we are the, the you know, uh, cultural leaders in the world, right? We're right. obviously, you know, between sports and celebrities and, uh, and even consciousness, right? You know, uh, so, so we could look at it from that, from that space, right? Um, but particularly in this time that we're living in and everything going on in the world, um, when I started researching the things that I put into the scientific intervention in our affairs, it was mind blowing to me the level of technology that these people had already amassed and had been using, right? So at the time that I'm researching it, and it's new to me, the technology is like 20 years old, right? right. Now in this day and time, um, the technology that we're researching or coming upon and learning about is already 20, 30 years old, right? So the technology of the, iP the uh, iPhone, for instance, um, this, there's a guy named uh, Nick Begich, right? He says that the technology that we see in the current iPhone, they've already got a phone that's already nine times more advanced than that phone that they haven't released to the general public, right? So just, you know, understanding when I was in college and I was studying economics and I learned that in order to maintain the gross domestic product, they destroy a certain amount of food every year, Yeah. Right? And that was absolutely mind blowing to me. Right. Like in order to keep the value of the dollar, basically, uh, you and we have masses of people all over this country that are hungry, right? Children and all, and that you're actually destroying crops and destroying food in order to maintain, right? So when I say we're we're behind the eight ball, we don't even consciously 
You know what I mean? Like we can't even process the levels of wickedness that are taking place in this country beneath the surface. We could talk about police brutality and miseducation and you know messing with black girls because of their hair, right? But beneath the surface of the systems of this country, there are, are, there are really in-depth levels of what I call wickedness, right? That's a level of wickedness to me to destroy food when there are people dying, right? When I was studying chemtrails and studying the technology um, that, you know, spraying trillions of tons of nanoparticles in the sky right right above our heads and that the average person doesn't even know that it's happening let alone look up right um so I think just all of those things and really understanding how they've taken science you know between fluoridated water and uh, uh mercury in in you know your teeth and your <laughs> like well I was learning these things and then you learn there's absolutely no justification for putting mercury in fillings because it's 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 seeping into the body right I just was absolutely blown away at how they were taking natural resources and science and kind of using it to manipulate uh, you know humanity so I think when we talk about revolution when we talk about you know evolution so to speak it's hard to, you know, combat a war that you're not even conscientious that's taking place. Our mm. lack of respect for math and science is catching up to us. And I think that's where we are now. When you mentioned uh, basically killing their crops in order to prop up the dollar, the first thing that came to my mind is we are taking, we're taking something that's imaginary, not real, however you want to define it. Some people say it is real, money is energy. Yeah. Um, but to take something that is technically not real mm. and propping that up by getting rid of things that are real, yeah. to me, it's like, wait a second, why would you destroy our food supply for something that isn't necessarily something that you can, that's tangible, but then it makes me realize you have to keep up the facade. Yeah. There's a facade that comes with the dollar. There's a facade that comes with the currency. Yeah, yeah. It's what it's what's one of the things that's made America, you know, the the land of milk and honey, so to speak. Of mm. course, military and you know access to you know nuclear weapons adds to right. that. I mean, think about genetically modified food. You know, if I put a seed in the ground, it's gonna and just water it. It's gonna it's gonna grow if I properly cultivate it. Why did you need to go into a laboratory and find a way to trick um, you know, the, the, the DNA, so to speak, of, of lemon mm -hmm. oranges and, and limes, what was the purpose of learning how to falsely create those things when they grow in abundance, right? right. What, was the, what was the intention? Well, the intention, they say on the surface, is to stop mass poverty, right? But we know that's not the case because you're destroying food every year in order to make mm -hmm. domestic product, right? Right. So yeah, I just, you know, the whole concept of genetically modified food to me was just baffling. And as I learned about it, it was just haunting me. You know what I mean? Especially again, you got people in Africa that are are dying of mass starvation. When I was, you know, 10, 11, 12, I remember the videos of the babies in Africa with flies around them and you can see their whole rib cages. And then I turn around and you're telling me that you're fake creating food and at the same time destroying food to maintain your dollar it's complete insanity no i i agree so then it makes me wonder why are we and i say we as humans but of course this is from a black perspective so take that as you will why are we killing each other over the dollar if the dollar ain't as real as we think it is 
why is everybody fighting and stabbing in order to get to this almighty dollar that isn't technically real? Well, and you know what's funny? You know, the new the new currency that's on the scene isn't backed by anything either. Digital currency right. isn't backed by any. The same argument we had about the dollar. Yeah. It went out the window when digital currency, and you know, I, don't get me wrong, I'm a businesswoman, right? So I understand mm-hmm. the logistics of making money, and I would rather us be making it however we can, as long as it's righteous, right? But right. there's a whole new currency looming in the background that we haven't really had a conversation about that isn't backed by anything except consumer confidence. So we're back in the same boat. It's just, it's just shiny and, and gold, you know, proverbially in the digital world. But, um, <laughs> um, you know, I think there's a lot, there's a multiple things. And I talked about this in the scientific intervention in our affairs. I think that the the calcifying of the pineal gland, which is through fluoridated water, which is through the mercury that's in the feelings, which is through the, you know, the chemicals that are in the chemtrails, right? This has been like a 50 year program that has slowly been poisoning people's ability to think rationally, Mm -hmm. right? To, you know, question authority, all those natural kind of human instincts that we have to protect ourselves have now some somehow fallen by the wayside. People can't even see evil and wickedness looming. They can't even they can't mm. even feel danger looming, right? So I, I think that that uh, along with you know the self hatred aspect, right? You know, um, worshiping another man, so to speak, i.e., his money. I think a lot of us in our culture um, worship money. It, God has become money has become our god. Um, it, when chasing the bag becomes the priority over, you know, health and well-being and taking care of our culture and our community and, and putting our women and our children first, you know, then I start to say, well, who is your God? You know what I'm saying? Because there's no, mm-hmm. you know, no scruples and no principles and integrity that come before the bag, so to speak, right? Our culture was never like that. We don't ever hear about, you know, in Kemet, you know, they had, <laughs> they had to take a couple of, of brothers and sisters out before they could, you know, strategically lay the granite in the, in the tombs, right? Like there's no, there's no historical references where we put money first because abundance was everywhere, right? So gold was everywhere. So we didn't have to kill each other for gold because it was everywhere. Um, so I think a lot of us are in our culture are operating from a lack-based consciousness, right? That comes from, you know, welfare systems and you know prison industrial complexes and redlining and all the all the stuff that we've been talking about all this time. But it, it also comes from not knowing yourself. So mm. this goes back to the spiritual piece that we started with, right? My spiritual way of operating is from abundance abundance in all things so abundance in your lifestyle how you live the quality of your home abundance in the way you think and move abundance in the way you eat right so we're not operating from that spiritual perspective of abundance so now it's lack-based consciousness always focusing on the back is a lack-based consciousness because mm. it just, you're implying you don't have it yes even when you do Gotta get the bag, gotta hustle, right? Never still, never current, never present, always in tomorrow. That's lack-based consciousness, even when we have money, right? So I think we, we've gotten very, very far away from 
our original selves um, and what I consider to be godlike consciousness. So that contributes to the killing. Um, obviously, the way you eat, right, is affecting the way that you're moving in the world. If you're eating McDonald's every day, you know you're not operating. You're not operating on the same, uh, you know, mental wavelength as a person who's eating a consistent you know, uh, organic diet and fasts and has a different level of clarity and awareness, right? Um, I think a lot of our men naturally know, even though they can't prove it or say it, that they're meant to be kings and they're meant to be rulers, right? So how do you put a, a, a child and then a man child and then a man into a world where he naturally knows, even if he can't express it, he's meant to be a ruler, right? And then you put him in a six by nine cell. Right. Or you put him in a project, right, with with his daughter, with his sisters and his brothers and his mother suffering and there's chaos and all around him. You know, it's like perverted melanin is what I what I talk about when, you know, melanin is supposed to be operating and expressing a certain thing. Right. And then in the summertime, when there's high level, when the sun is, is highly activated, you are supposed to be expressing that melanin through art, through culture, through mm -hmm. music through dance, through expression. However, you know, for me, it would be research and science and math, but it's my expression, right? Now, our children and our sons don't have any ways of expressing that melanin, mm. right? So a gun, but a gun is close, right? And there's beef around the corner, right? And you're constantly being disrespected. The teachers disrespect you, the media disrespects you, the police disrespect you, right? So it's like this, this, this boiling pot of a lot of different things that are kind of coming to the surface. And unfortunately, again, we're not looking at the science. We're not looking at the math. We're not looking at the psychological programming. We're focused on police brutality, right? We're focused on the surface things that are obviously important, but everybody shouldn't be focused on one fire. There's like 50 fires. Right. You know mm -hmm. So I think it, it's a culmination of all of those things. I think black men have not done a good enough job, particularly the elders and the middlemen, right? Not mm -hmm. an elder, not a youngster, but kind of in that middle frame. Um, haven't done a, a, a very sufficient job of going into the hood, you know what I mean? And giving proper perspective and giving hope um, to those young boys. So I think it's a culmination of a lot of those things. And then like I talked about in the scientific intervention in our affairs, um, you know, lead poisoning. Um, there was a big story in Chicago, uh, you know, maybe six or seven years ago, it was before I wrote the book, um, that talked about the high levels of lead that were being found in the piping systems uh, all throughout Chicago. Well, anybody that knows anything about lead knows that it is highly, it makes you highly susceptible to violence. You know, mm. violence, right? So mm -hmm. that's another aspect of it, right? Aluminum, which is the chemtrails, makes you highly susceptible to violent tendencies. So again, going back to the scientific war and how we have to start kind of embracing and looking into, into science a little bit deeper. So I was like, you're dropping a lot of gems on me. There's a couple things I wanna pick up from what you said. Yes. You said we need to put uh, <laughs> women and children first. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I'll just ask probably the question that I know the answer to, but I want to just hear your perspective. Mm -hmm. um, why do you believe, at least in our culture, men, Black men, have not put Black women and Black children first? Go ahead. Because women have to put themselves first to put women and children first. 
Mm. You have to you have to love yourself internally from a from a righteous standpoint in order to in order to put the people that you love and care about and care about as a priority, right? So I just finished a, a workbook called Keys to Womanhood, what every young young lady and, and woman should know. And in the workbook, there's a section uh, called Boys to Men, and it's specifically about you know our relationship and connection to men. And it's really to get women to understand that not stepping back and judging and analyzing men separate from us, them over there. No, what's happening to them is happening to us, particularly because, and I'm a mother of a son, right? He's 18. So for me, everything that I do now as a young man, for him, as, a, as him a young man growing up, everything that I do as it pertains to how I interact with men, my son is a factor, right? How I talk about men on my platform, I have to, I have to, I have to include my son when I when I assess how I speak, right? So I think that as women, particularly as mothers, when we look at the condition of our men on the planet right now, I think um, we failed them in certain regards, right? And obviously, you know, black women, African women have been the glue in our communities, right? So we wanna make sure we give proper credit because you know, without us, where would we be, right? right. Uh, but I also think that, you know, if we, you know, we talk about a lot like when um, after slavery was nullified and, and, you know, we were trying to find our way in this country, right? Black mm -hmm. women were so fearful of what could potentially happen to our sons, a la, you know, Emmett Till, so to speak, um, that we were operating for, one or two or three generations post-slavery, right? Completely engulfing our sons in fear. Now we could say, well, you know, we had to deal with the reality on the ground. Absolutely. But again, I'm coming from a spiritual science perspective. I see how we, we got to where we are today, right? Because you were, if you were living in, you know, Mississippi or Tennessee or Texas, right? And you sent your son up to Chicago, right? or to Milwaukee because you learned that it was you know, safer in the North and later we found out that it really wasn't. It was just a different kind of danger, right? Mm -hmm. but think about the, the cultural embedding, right? And, the, and, the, and the, the, the mind science of two to three generations of black men that have been um, in, um, indoctrinated with fear, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, for women, we have to be mindful and conscientious of that. And I work with women and counsel women all the time. And I talk to them about how they parent. And, and a lot of the parenting is being done from a fear-based consciousness, right? So I think that, that that female aspect of how we're rearing and raising children, right? In the, I also talk about in the workbook, the science of what's actually happening in the womb. You know, the condition of a man's sperm and the condition of a, man's, of a woman's womb before she, they ever even link up is what's the decided factor of the quality of children that they produce, right? So how we eat and how we live is going to determine the, the quality of children that we produce, right? Mm. Again, going back to the science. Um, I also think, again, like the, the going back to the, the bag aspect, I mm -hmm. think that the emphasis on money and the lack of emphasis, you know, we're, we're spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical beings, right? The money is part of the physical aspect. It covers all, you know, the quality of life, so to speak. But when it comes to the fullness of who we are as human beings, money is only a, a, a fraction 
there's there's a whole other aspect to our reality, taking care of ourselves, um, how we think, how we feel, how we live, how we eat, right? We don't really emphasize those things in our culture. So if men aren't emphasizing them things, those things for themselves, how could they possibly be emphasizing those things for women and children, right? So same thing I say to women, we've got these generations now where it's embedded in us, the culture of women that we're supposed to put everybody in front of ourselves. Sacrifice for the family, sacrifice for the greater good, sacrifice for the community, sacrifice for the culture, right? Well, so how can a woman that's operating from that vantage point actually put her best foot forward and teach men and children how to properly treat her if she's not treating herself properly? Right. You see what I'm saying? So it all yes. comes back to first and foremost, you know, self-preservation is the first law of nature, right? So a man that loves himself in a righteous and authentic way naturally is going to love and cover and protect women and children. You see what I'm saying? So yes, I think we've, you know, even, even we've kind of been telling men, women and children, women and children, women and children, right? I don't think that's the proper way. And yes, women and children, right? I'm screaming <laughs> it from the rooftops, but it's hard to get a man that hasn't properly really come to a, 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 a true in-depth sense of love for himself to have a real true in-depth love for women and children, right? Because he's never yeah. properly experienced that. Mm. Okay, so I, I know my next question was going to be about, you were talking about going back into the hood and um, I guess nurturing young young boys to become better men. And so I guess part of that question as well is, how does someone start loving themselves first? How do we, can, uh, I guess, make those make that right environment where somebody can do that? Well, one simple thing is to really step back and take a you know an appraisal of your life, right? Mm -hmm. And to identify all of the things that the people and the you know um, circumstances and the behaviors that are not in alignment with your well-being, mm. right? So again, how you eat? Yeah, you eat Popeyes every day. <laughs> I'm I'm willing to bet that you've got some issues with self-love. Right. If you don't take care of your physical body. You know what I'm saying? Like, what do we yeah. you know, that's, that's one of those simple things, like, you know, how you eat and what you know. I know people that don't drink water. It's hard to make an argument that you love yourself, right? Mm -hmm. you water, right. right? So, um, and you know, like with, uh, and this is just an example with women, right? Uh, in the workbook, again, I talked about, you know, women have this thing where we cling to other women that are, that are emotionally abusive. There's like mm. this whole thing in our culture with women from the mean girls up to the cattiness and the jealousy and all that stuff. Like if you have women around you that you know are like that, I mean, you know, that's the first step to self-love, eliminating things in your environment that are contrary to your well-being, right? So our men have, have a long list, a laundry list of things that we do now. For instance, you know, the stripper culture now, I say the con concubines are leading the culture now, right? <laughs> Fair enough. That, that's, that's accurate. That's accurate. Right. So I've been saying to myself as I've been analyzing social media, how is it possible for a functioning young man mm -hmm. to operate at his highest capacity when there's behind shaking and jiggling and 
you know, soft porn everywhere. Mm-hmm. Everywhere. It yeah. is astounding to, I see professional women that are like in restaurants, like turning up like business women, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm not a, you know, judge and jury of people's, you know, do, do, do what you want. You know what I mean? But like, again, going back to the collective consciousness as women, how do we expect men to respect women? How do we, how do we respect to expect to change the dichotomy of rape culture, right? Mm -hmm. When everywhere you look, men are being sexually activated. So for men, what are you doing? What are you watching? What are you tuning into? that's keeping you sexually activated. Do you even have the internal awareness and the, and the sexual discipline to be able to identify them, right? Mm. So I talked to some friends and, you know, my homeboys or, or counsel, counsel or clients or whatever, you know, and a, this is a real big issue for black men now, right? Because it's everywhere. So I talked to one of my brothers one day and he's like, yeah, keep, he followed some site on Facebook. It's a black, black tail type, right, site. It's not black tail, but it's something that shows, you know, voluptuous black women around the world, right? You know, so <laughs> that's all it does. That's all it is. So he's like, you know, I, I gotta stop. I gotta turn this off. He's saying this to me. Then turn it off. What do you mean? Unfollow. Like, so, so again, self-love. If yeah. you are spending too many hours on Pornhub, mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? If you are following pages that are keeping your lower chakra stimulated, right? In an unhealthy way, it's self-love to stop. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. mentally, if you, you know, if you are not reading, if you are not keeping your brain sharp, if you don't follow pages that stimulate thought, that stimulate consciousness, emotionally, if you are dealing with a, you know, um, this is just an example, uh, uh, you know, a, a woman that is emotionally abusive towards you and that talks to you disrespectfully and that is only with you for your money, right? That's, that's one way to start establishing self-love emotionally, right? Spiritually, do you have a spiritual practice, whether it's just kind of sitting up and, and thinking and breathing every morning to meditate or if it's yoga or if it's Tai Chi or if it's doing Reiki healing work, right? You have to be spiritually focused. And then physically, obviously, you know, we talked about the way that you eat, the way that what you're putting in your body, right? How you take care of your physical self. I mean, going after those four areas of yourself, that's how you start to, you know, cultivate and nurture self-love. That was a long answer, but question. It was a it's a big question. Because you can say things that I don't think I can get away with like I, I don't know if I can say the concubines are leading the culture because then I, 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 I'll say it for you beloved don't <laughs> worry I will say it and I will shout it from the the rooftops on and I appreciate it because when, when I if I say something even remotely similar it's yeah. I'm bashing women yeah. I'm talking down I'm yeah. being disrespectful yeah. uh, I'm uh what's the other thing uh, I'm, I'm uh I'm messing up the sexual liberation or whatever, you know? And so it's like, I just want to just tell the truth. Yeah. Right? 
For and sure. so I think and we need you to tell the truth. And we need to hear men telling the truth. Like mm. I, I have caught tremendous flack over the last 10 years for you know saying and being critical of black men from a mm -hmm. loving, righteous, motherly, sisterly type of way, right? I, I've tried every different way. You roaring like a lion, you know, being soft and, and flowery like a delicate damsel, right? How, you mm -hmm. never trying to find the right way, but when it all boils down to it, even in spite of all of the, the flack and the controversy that it's produced, I do it again and I'm gonna keep yeah. doing it, right? But it has to come from the right intention. But I just want you to know, we need to hear men saying it. And you might not say it as harsh as me, right? You might not say the concubine culture, right? You can say, I'm not attracted to, you know, if I see you online, you know, shaking your, you know what, in front of every, you know, bending over, showing, you know, <laughs> the inside of your organs, right? That's not attractive to me as a man. And I need for women to understand that it's not attractive, right? So, so please right. do carry on. <laughs> well, I, you know, I've, I've checked out um, uh, a lot of your YouTube um, content. The one that, the titles you have are awesome. The one that jumps out at me, I, I'm probably going to mess it up. Oh, goodness. It was uh, The Gods Are At War. Yes. Is, okay. That's it. Very, yes. Epic, next level. And I've heard some of your commentary around being, I guess, tough on men. Mm -hmm. And I never... I never took it as a, you don't like men or you hate men or anything like that. I just think you were saying, hey, we need to level up. Yes. Like you, you, where you are is, I guess, cool, I guess, maybe not, but we, there's a standard, yes. right? We're trying, yes. to, we're trying to raise the standard. And even when we raise that standard, guess what's gonna happen after that? We're gonna have to raise that standard again. Absolutely. <laughs> so yes. I yes. praise you for raising the standard and it made me check on checking on myself like well even though i thought i was doing this wonderful thing i think it's time for me to raise the standard again yes, time yes. to grow up to another level yes how how are people who do resonate with your message men or women how do they interact with you when they get that message from you how do they respond you know it's such a such a blessing and i give all honor and credit to the creator the ancestors mm -hmm. the universe however we want to I'm, I'm comfortable with all of the allah you know I, whatever it is that you express as a supreme being or a higher form of consciousness um i get so many testimonies and and positive reinforcement from people all over the world mm -hmm. i had a brother who uh left a comment a couple of weeks ago i think it was during the gods of war series where that's where he found out about me and he said i've been binge watching your work for four days now and it's affecting yeah. the way that i'm dealing with my life and mind you we're talking about everything from chemtrails to you know uh uh um the scientific war to metaphysics to spirituality i mean the, the whole plethora of, of what we've been discussing just the fact that that could have an effect and this is your wife not like i'm courting a new woman so i want to be on my best behavior right this is a, 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 your, your world that you've already created um messages like that um messages from women young women i have a lot of young women that follow me um that are finding their voice through my work um 
people that have healed themselves from different illnesses and ailments based on things that I've, you know, resources that I've, that I've, you know, provided. Um, it is just, you know, it is absolutely amazing and humbling to me that, you know, what the, the creator has put in me um, has been so successful in helping other people. And my, you know, my perspectives as a, obviously there's the research, there's the knowledge, right? But then there's real life. So my life experiences real time on the ground, right? Um, have been the best teacher for me. So I think that's why I'm able to speak with clarity and write with the clarity that I have because I really paid attention to my life. I really paid attention to my mistakes. I really paid attention to the world and the planet and the people around me, right? So it, it's through that that I'm able to speak to people where they are um, and to kind of, you know, be a light, so to speak, to light their light. Um, and it, it, it is the best, the best experience and, and feeling and reality to know that it helps people in real time. Mm -hmm. Nothing I say or do matters if it doesn't impact your personal power. Mm. I'm, not, I'm not talking about inspiring you to make money or inspiring you to go look for a girlfriend or inspiring you, like personal power how you're moving and operating in the world. That's the, that's the million dollar ticket to me, so to speak, right? Because if you have personal power, you can make a lot of money. You can find love, your soulmate, right? You can go out and be in harmony with nature. But if you don't have personal power, you can be a, a, a rich fool. Yes. Or you can be a, you know, a spiritual guru that doesn't have any compassion for the rest of the world, right? So just that, that, that middle ground, right, is, is, is kind of, I stand strong on that because if I can inspire people to their personal power, then there's nothing that they can't accomplish. I was thinking about you the other day. I was uh, looking down at my phone and on, I saw, saw the headline where it said, the United States of America has now officially ended its longest war, 20-year war. And I was thinking about you because I had just finished uh, the Gods Are at War series. I'm sorry if I mess up the name. Because um, this war, the, the spiritual war, has been going on forever. Yes. And we're over here only talking about this minute 20-year war that really shouldn't have been a war, but somehow ended up being a war. And so I'm looking at it, and I'm like, yeah, but the spiritual war is so much deeper. Yes. And then and it may never even make the news. Yes. How do people, of course, watch your, your, your series, watch your video, but how do people tap into the war that is around us that's a spiritual war uh, without being distracted by what's going on physically? Well, that's a great question. That's a great question. Um, you know, the 20-year <laughs> the war, right? And it's one war of many wars. That's the mm -hmm. thing that's so, you know, that's so, um, so mind-numbing. I was watching a there's footage of a, apparently the Taliban kidnapped a helicopter. Have you seen mm. that? No, I haven't seen that. Yeah, it was like this big thing news, right? They're like, yeah, the Taliban, the Taliban stole an American helicopter, right? Mm. So the footage is of the helicopter flying. It doesn't have like an Afghan flag on it. It's not right. like there's nobody, no, no Taliban man kind of waving his turban <laughs> out, so you know it's them right. presenting. They didn't paint the tail with the Afghan flag, right? So. I'm just looking at this and it's like, you know, all the bars at the bottom that move and the tickers and everything. It's like, 
Taliban still, still American helicopter. And it's like, okay, well, where are they going with the helicopter? What are they doing, right? Mm -hmm. So I say all of this to say, I can see the programming clear as day. To me, it's all a movie, right? I'm looking at the news. I'm looking for programming. I'm not looking to learn. I'm not looking, I'm looking for the program so I can understand how we should move accordingly, right? Mm -hmm. When you say, you know, when you talk about the media, the media is a tentacle of the spiritual war, right? This is why, again, going back to, you know, uh, why can't black men see themselves as far as the killing is concerned? Or why can't we step back and see this agenda that's taking place, right? The programming has been so methodical. There was a guy named Stephen Jacobson that was um, a prominent uh, uh, journalist in the media. You should definitely, especially you, you really value his work. But he talked about all the different techniques that the media uses from the voice intonation of the person who's reporting the news, right? To the tickers that are moving. And, you know, it's a whole science to get to trick your brain from thinking logically, right? And in common sense into just taking in the programming, the colors that they're using, right? It's a whole science and methodology. So that's a tentacle of the spiritual war. So some people say, well, I don't even own a TV. I don't even own a TV. You know, I haven't watched TV in 20 years. Okay, that's wonderful if it works for you. I know there's a spiritual war going on and I know that the media is one of the tools that they're using. So I wanna be mindful and aware, right? So I know how to move accordingly. I'm a researcher though. Everybody doesn't have to apply it that way, right? But that's how I apply the news. Mm -hmm. So um, when it all boils down to it, I think that the, the bottom line is that this is a war between light and darkness. Mm. Full and good, right? Righteousness and unrighteousness, right? So that war is playing out in the male-female dichotomy. How do we know? Because in my workbook, Keys to Womanhood, there are three graphs that show the statistics globally of women that are being raped, that women that are raped, women that are uh, killed by another man or another male, and then physical safety overall. On each one of those maps, nowhere on this planet are women considered safe. There's like a red section and then a yellow section and then a green and a yellow, right? So in America, just for instance, sex trafficking, um, America falls in the, in the category of it's illegal, but it still kind of slips through, right? So that's right. in America. That's supposed to be considered one of the more safer countries. Same thing in Canada. I don't know Canada for being anything, like, what do we know about Canada? Like there's no high, there's, there's not a lot of death in Canada. They're not known for violence. They're not known for crime, right? But still they managed to have high statistics of domestic violence and rape, right? How is that possible, right? So I'm looking at these maps and it's absolutely astounding that nowhere on this planet are women safe. High levels of sex trafficking, high levels of rape, high levels of abuse, right? Africa, everywhere. So this war between good and bad, righteousness and unrighteousness, right, is playing out through the sexes, the male-female dichotomy. It's playing out through the races, white versus black and everything in between, right? Look at the conditions in China. We love to talk about how China is so economically advanced and technologically advanced and you know they're winning as far as the war between America and United States right but the policies of China the you know the one child policy for instance that is one of the most savage and abusive policies that you can even and then don't have a girl right mm. 
you only get one shot. If you have a girl, now you're raising this child with this disdain of, you know, you're my, you were my one shot, you came out to be a girl and not a boy, right? I mean, just think about around the world, when people have children, you know, we prefer sons. Having a son is, is, the, is the preference, right? So yeah. the, 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 it's playing out through the, the, the racial dichotomy, black versus white, and then, you know, everything in between is playing out through the sexes, right? But all it really is beneath the surface is a war between light and darkness. So that same war, those, those examples are the macrocosm. The microcosm is what the Muslims call the jihad. Now, the Arabs, the white Arabs, let's be sure we differentiate because the original Arabs are black people, right? That's and, and are from Africa. But um, so the white Arabs have misinterpreted the scriptures of jihad to mean that you're supposed to go blow yourself up in a building so you can get 72 proverbial virgins, right? That's mm. not, a, that's a metaphysical, <laughs> you know, symbology. It's not meant to be taken literally, but you have people now that take these things literally, not understanding that the jihad is the war between light and darkness every day. So black men in the hood, right, that are being provoked through police brutality, through turf wars, through money wars, crime, whatever, poverty, you are losing the war. The real war, which is the jihad, which is the inner war, light and darkness war. Every day you walk out of your doorstep, you can choose to be Jesus or you can choose to be Judas. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, so the microcosm, the macrocosm, excuse me, the male-female dichotomy, black-white dichotomy, right? Good versus evil dichotomy. The microcosm is the individual self and how you are moving and operating in the world every single day. Are you gossiping and sabotaging and slandering other people? Are you moving out with good intent towards humanity and mankind? We as, as Black people have to remember, we're global citizens. So we want to, we want to, a lot of us have developed a consciousness of, you know, Franz Fanon called it black skin, or black skin, white masks, right? Where you're moving throughout the world with European concepts and putting a black stamp on it right? We're supposed to be in harmony with nature. We're supposed to be in, if we're in harmony with the nature, with nature, that means we're not moving out with the perspective of F everybody else. It's all about us. That's not righteousness. We don't want to become black versions of white people, right? So if we're moving in accordance with harmony, right? We're right brain people, you know, nurturing, loving, compassion, right? The artistic aspect of who we are. If we're moving out in righteousness, then we have to be opening and welcoming to the world, right? But don't be opening and welcoming to the world like we were in Africa when we let Europeans come in and trick us and turn us into slaves. No. Love, compassion, empathy with shrewd discipline, focus on internal well-being, the balance, right? So I, I think that learning how the war is playing out internally first mm -hmm. and taking your best putting your best foot forward every day to be jesus instead of judas right mm. that's how it starts and then we get into the layers and the level of the macrocosm versus the microcosm mm. wow. thank you thank you for uh opening my eyes to that i typically would let everybody know how they could uh, collaborate with you but I got one more question I got to get in. Yes, sir. Because you mentioned it about three or four times, and it's something that I pay attention to, but I don't know how to maneuver with it yet. And maybe you can help. 
So one day I had a, a lunch, a business lunch meeting, and it was one of the best lunch meetings ever. And I walk out the restaurant and I look up and there's a whole bunch of chemtrails above my, my head. And I look at the person I had lunch with and I said, we got to do something about this, but I don't know what to do, right? And so for those who are listening, what are chemtrails? Uh, I guess the simplest way we can put it. And then what do we do about them? How do we maneuver around these chemtrails or what can we do as far as business entrepreneurs and investors to start getting into that space to, to uh, get rid of these chemtrails? Yeah, well, uh, first of all, thank you for seeing them when you walked out of the meeting, because I can assure you that most people walked out of that restaurant or wherever you were and didn't even see them, right? right. I think the first thing is really start paying attention to what's going on around us, because a lot of us are living like this, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> So I think that the first thing is to start being conscious, conscious and aware. Um, you know, it's especially important for people that grow food, right? Um, to really understand that the water, the soil, the air, the atmosphere, right? Um, so let me get to your first question. What are chemtrails? So chemtrails are a, uh, a compound, a toxic compound of aluminum, strontium, barium, polymer fibers and a bunch of other metal particulates um, that they are using to, they spray them in the upper atmosphere. Initially, they look like contrails. Um, The contrail is the natural dispensation that comes from a flight, right? So you take a plane, there's a natural line of condensation that comes from the natural, you know, system of the engine engine and how it works. But Mm -hmm. contrails dissipate within two to three minutes right? So you'll see the line coming from behind the plane or the jet, and then two or three minutes later, it'll be gone. Well, chemtrails don't disappear. They are being released from planes, and it's happening all over the world. There's been no government accountability. There's never been a head of state or a president or anybody that has come forward and said, yes, we're doing this, but we know that they have the technology. We know that they've they've patented all of the technology that they're using, right? So it's easily verifiable. I talk about it in my book. Um, We also can look up and see it, right? We've also had, you know, um, uh, uh, there was a, a gentleman, and I can't remember his name for sure, but he introduced a bill back in the 1980s. His first name is William. Um, he introduced a bill where he basically said, we need to stop doing this. And of course, the bill never went anywhere. There was never any final decision, but it's on public record. He's saying, we need to stop geoengineering the skies. We need to stop spraying these, you know, this, we don't know the impact of human health, right? So we have verification. There's also a paper called Owning the Weather by 2025. So mm. this when the um, the Navy and the Air Force Base were coming together and collectively trying to find a way to control the weather. So in this report, which you can find online, I, I haven't searched it in a while. If it's not on Google, it's probably on DuckDuckGo. You can find it because everything, the internet has been completely scrubbed now, uh, censored. But owning the weather by 2025. And in it, they talk about the patents. They talk about the technology of being able to use the weather as a war tactic or as a, um, you know, one of the examples was they could go over an enemy territory and create a storm Mm -hmm. so that the enemy wouldn't be able to basically use their tanks and use their planes, right, to combat the war because there's a storm happening over their heads, right? So, um, 
Owning the Weather by 2025. Um, and again, there is a plethora of information out if you really want to know that you can verify that this is happening, right? Because, you know, I have, was having the conversation about um, proving chemtrails for like five or six years. I'm not trying to prove chemtrails anymore. If you don't look out, <laughs> if you don't walk outside, if you yeah. think I'm, I'm, in, I'm on the outskirts of Los Angeles, the sky outside is white. Mm. It's not cloudy. It's not, you know, cloud here, cloud there, gray cloud, white cloud, light, light gray cloud. It's white. That's mm. not normal. And thank yeah. God I experienced living in a time before this was the, re the natural reality so I could see the difference, right? I see chemtrails in commercials and in cartoons now. Now, if you put a, if you put chemtrails in cartoons, maybe not in a commercial, but in a cartoon where I can see a tic-tac-toe grid, I know it's intentional. So it's programming so that children don't know the difference between how the sky's supposed to look and how it looks. It looks right. On a macrocosm, what can we do? We don't own planes. We don't own airports, right? So we we don't even have a concoction that we can spray up in the sky to counter, right? There are, you know, uh, from Dane Wigington to Nick Beggage to Sophia Smallstrom to Alana Freeland, right? All these scientists that I've been researching and talking about and promoting their work that are saying that it's so far gone at this point that if we try, if they stopped using chemtrails now, that it would completely change the, it would have a devastating impact because our, the matriculation now of our wet weather and the process of it, you know, the jet stream starts on the Pacific coast. This is why I was able to see it because I saw that when I was living in Oakland, the, the weather process pattern would start there, right? So they spray there, they matriculate the atmosphere and then it, it'll, it'll start a storm in the Midwest or it'll start a storm in New York. But if it's in New York, they got to start it in the West Coast and then matriculate it in the Midwest so that mm -hmm. it, by the time it gets to the East Coast, it's full-fledged right now, right? So you, we see fires in California right now, Lake, in the Lake Tahoe areas on, on fire. We see the situation in New York now with this drastic flooding. We mm -hmm. see the situation in Katrina, I mean, post-Katrina, you know, what's happening right now. They're saying the power is going to be out for a month now, which is absolutely absurd. We see the earthquake in, in Haiti. There were mass fires in Greece, mass fires in Turkey. I'm talking about all of this is happening within the 30-day perspective. Yep. So when the people were like, stop talking that pseudoscience, you know, conspiracy theorists, you're spreading fear. Well, I'm sorry to inform you, but what you didn't pay attention to when I and many other people were talking about 10, 20 years ago is now at all of our front door, right? Mm -hmm. So we should have been trying to come up with the antithesis or the antidote 10, 20 years ago when they were still perfecting the experimentation, right? Mm -hmm. So... The short answer is, as far as the bigger agenda, I don't know. Mm. We don't have the technology, right, to, to go up and counter. The, the, this is when we have to have some sort of reliance or relationship with the cosmos and respect for a higher power, right? Because the damage of what they've done to the upper atmosphere, the ionosphere of the planet, I don't know how far it's gone, right? And then they're using global warming as the, you know, as the, um, the culprit, 
you know, global warming is what's actually causing the fires. No, it's not. You're spraying trillions of tons of nanoparticles in our upper atmosphere under the guise of blocking the sun out, right, For which is causing global dimming. So our planet's not even getting the normal percentage of sun that we're supposed to be getting, right, which obviously affects melanated people in a different way. But I would say for the, for the farmers and the people who are into agriculture, you have to start looking into this science because we need you to develop an antidote for raising crops. Otherwise, you're raising crops that have metal particulates that could potentially uh, uh, cause ster sterility, uh, right? Impotence, right? The, the, the brother Tyrone Hayes, who did the extensive study with the, the frogs, um, that was finding out that the herbicides and pesticides that they were spraying on all, all of our food that we eat every day was causing impotence. It was also causing the frogs to turn gay. And when I say turn gay, I mean male frogs starting to like male frogs. And you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. humanity, I'm, this is not an argument about sexual orientation, but when it starts to affect animal life, <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like how do we know the frog, the frog, you know, had to do, it's, at, you know, so, okay, let me stay on subject because I'll go left. But so, uh, you know, really just starting to look at the science of it. And so for me, as I talked about in the book, and I always talk about bentonite clay fast, right? Because bentonite clay uh, goes in and binds the metal particulates in the body, and then you flush it out through the system, right? So bentonite clay, um, chlorella, chlorophyll, right? Cilantro is a heavy metal detox. Um, uh, sea moss, right? From a reputable and, you know, <laughs> a reputable company because people mm -hmm. are putting things in pills now and, you know, calling it dust or, or, or magic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I think the, on, the, the, the only way to approach this with success that we know of is internally, right? Okay. So all the things that I talked about, the fasting, right? you know, not drinking the tap water. Um, I don't even cook with tap water, right? Um, mm -hmm. So the internally, the internal approach. And then externally, we've got to stop acting like this is not happening. Mm -hmm. We have to put our science hats on again. If you're in farming and agriculture, okay, this is something you need to learn about because perhaps there's a way to treat the soil. Perhaps there's a way to treat the water, right? So as you're growing the food, you're cultivating the food with that in mind, right? If you are, let's see, what, what would be another, uh, um, um, you know, if you are, are uh, uh, dealing with mental health, right? You're a person that studies the psychology of the mind, right? You have to understand that the levels of ADHD and the levels of uh, um, autism are directly tied into chemtrails, right? and genetically modified food. So if you know that they have aluminum in the chemtrails and you know that, know that aluminum is connected is, is probably the cause of the high numbers of ADHD and autism, then anybody that you treat should know about bentonite clay, mm. right? So there's practical common sense things that we can be doing here too from the microcosm so that we can start internally working on this. And then at the same time, those of us who have the wherewithal to you know, grow food should also have the wherewithal to understand the science to come up with you know alternatives. You know, so I think that's the place where we start now. It's frustrating that at as at the thirty year mark, there's people that have been thirty studying this for thirty or forty years because the scale of this war is so large, right? 
And the people that are in power that are implementing it have endless resources. I mean, this is a trillion, dare I say tens of trillions, if not hundreds of trillions of dollar program that they have to be implementing around the world, right? Mm. And then for nobody to be talking about it, how's that even possible? Um, so I think we approach it, we approach it internally on the macrocosm and then work to figure out how we can combat it on a global, you know, kind of earthly level, so to speak. Mm, beautiful. Thank you. I just thought of a conspiracy theory. If I'm in a mental health space and I find out this is the way to solve mental health in a way, mm-hmm. it would almost benefit mental health professional professionals. Yeah. And I'm not trying to take shots. I'm just, yeah. it would almost benefit them to not say anything and continue letting it go on as it is. And 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 that takes us back to light versus darkness in the spiritual mm. Right. Which is why everything we're looking at right now, we, like the fact that there aren't mass doctors that are lining up every single day, like, wait, warning, warning, you know what I'm saying? The, 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 the financial benefit, right? The, mm-hmm. I mean, not wanting to jeopardize their careers and their prestige, right? And their, you know, all of that's like courage, courage in this day and time is the $64 million you know what I mean? That mm-hmm. that's more valuable than all the weighted gold in the world to me at this point. So, um, yeah, you're absolutely correct. Zaza, I want to thank you. Uh, when we reached out to you, you immediately said yes. You hopped on today mm-hmm. uh, to have this conversation on Black equity. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we go to final thoughts, how can people uh, pick up your book, read your book, and also uh, watch your YouTube or any other uh, areas you want them to go to? Um, my website is zazaali.com, and through my website, um, I actually did a, a series called Science as a Weapon um, <clears throat> earlier this year. So when you go to my site, one of the, the main uh, headers will be that Science as a Weapon series. It was a seven-hour presentation that I did. I broke it into three separate sections, but it's going into the metaphysics of this scientific war, right? And it's free. You can go watch it at any time. And then also my book kind of supplements the information that's in the book. Um, but I also talk about the power of the mind and how to, you know, I've written eBooks on how, you know, practical steps to health and well-being. So the whole bentonite clay thing that we talked about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so you can access all my videos and contents there. I'm on uh, Instagram. I underscore am underscore Zaza Ali. Wait, I underscore am underscore Zaza underscore Ali. I'm on YouTube. Uh, you can get all the connections for, to my social media sites through my um, website. And then my email address, uh, if you have inquiries for, for of anything, uh, is info at ZazaAli.com. I also work with personal clients. Um, so if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can get in contact with me there. That's awesome. What are your final thoughts to entrepreneurs and investors who want to make an a impact on society, impact on the world, and maybe they just don't know where to begin? Yeah. Well, you know, that's a great question. I had a great conversation with a client, uh, a new client yesterday about um, she's into fashion design, but she's torn because she feels like her particular field is not really something that is service oriented. Right. So she Mm -hmm. has this, I'm struggling with the, you know, my individual goals, but I don't feel like it's really doing anything to benefit the collective. Going back to the spiritual perspective, anytime that you're doing something that you love, you're automatically benefiting the collective consciousness because you're operating with a different frequency in the world right so if you are you know for her for instance i told her when you go into your zone 
in the in the in the you know in the process of creating designs in the process of styling when you go into a zone and you feel high right and you feel strong you feel a strong energetic resonance and you're in a zone that is benefiting humanity right one of the things that i say is that we are not successful in building institu institutions because <clears throat> we're trying to build institutions on the backs of broken people Right. But we want people to come to the table and sacrifice everything else for the greater good. Right. I don't teach that. I don't believe in that. I believe in finding your niche, whether it's carpentry, whether it's being a business owner, whether it's gardening, whether it's, you know, uh, creating black dolls. Right. To raise the consciousness and change how, how our daughters look at themselves. Right. I think it's finding your niche first. And once you find your niche, you find a way to give it back to your people and to your culture. But understand that doing something that you love is 1000% more beneficial to the broader collective than doing something that you hate doing that makes money, right? So you got money, but you hate doing it. So when you go out into the world, everybody you interact with, it's from this frequency of, I hate what I'm doing, but I got money, right? So you're not consciousness. <laughs> You're not, right. you're, it's not having ripple effects in the universe that's affecting people on the other side of the world that you don't know. You might hire people and you know, right? You have the, the infrastructure, so to speak. And that's good. That's a step in the right direction, right? But in the, in the, in the, from a spiritual perspective, right? We can have a much broader impact if we are operating from a space of love, right? Yeah. Doing what we love and then allowing that to ripple out into the world. I love studying nature. I love studying God. I love, that's my zone, right? So when I do that, and then I turn around and do a video and, I, and I'm coming from that space, it's having ripple effects all over the world. I told you a brother told me, I was, I was helping him to change the way he was interacting with his wife. I didn't have that intention. I didn't sit down and say, I'm going to find Mark down in, you know, Cleveland, Ohio, and we're going to change the dichotomy of his relationship. No, I'm doing what I love. I don't sit down on videos when I'm, when I'm frustrated and I, and I feel bad or I, I, I'm, I'm feeling, I have a bad day and I do have bad days. I don't touch social media with that frequency mm. because I understand it has a ripple effect, right? So I know we could talk about the logistics of business and all that stuff. I'm actually creating a course right now for people who want to be uh, uh, own publishing companies or run publishing companies or yeah. write a, bit, a book or a workbook, right? I'm putting together a course for that, right? So that would be my, you know, business oriented, you know, I, it's what I love. It's what mm -hmm. I'm doing, right? So I'm creating a course to help teach that to other people, right? So that's the logistic, you know, on the ground approach, right? But do what you love, Find what you love and 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 operate from that vantage point and that frequency. And then you'll be more prone to get investing, right? Because you're operating from a high frequency. So now you're meeting people that you never would have met if you were like, oh, nobody wants to give me money. I'm mad nobody's supporting me. No, just do what you love, right? Yeah. Starving artists, for instance. They're the whole starving artists, there's, you know, through ages of time. This artist has had artists have uh, owned and accepted that I have to do great work for free. So now it's a, the, it, the frequency is of the starving artist, and you believe that. So now you don't really make any money until you die. Mm. No, you don't have to be a starving artist. Do what you love from a place of pure authenticity and love, and know that your paintings are worth 
millions or whatever you want to ascribe them to. And then eventually the millions will come. Mm. So I think that's the spiritually based uh, answer about economics and about business that I would say. Approach it from a heart center opposed to how do I make money, right? Mm -hmm. If you do it that way, it might take a little bit longer to get the money, but when you get the money, there's no compromise. There's no hiding from the mirror, right? There's none of that. It's, it's a pure, authentic, spiritually based kind of perspective. And you'll still have your soul. And you'll still have your soul. <laughs> it all boils down to it. I want my soul to be intact. That's the starting point for me. Yes, yes. Zaza, yeah. thank you so much for coming on Black Equity Podcast. Uh, when that course does come out, we would love to have you back. Absolutely. Uh, to continue these conversations. I think yes. you are a blessing to yes. our community. And, and then we so can talk about work. And we can talk about the business of publishing, right? Yes, yes. So how I love that. The business and the, and, the, and the logistics of it. I'd absolutely love that. Yes, I look forward to it. Thank you again for coming on and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you so much. Peace and love. All right. Did you enjoy that episode like I did? I left a link to go to Zaza Ali's website, our guest today, and check out everything she's doing, uh, purchase some of the books that she has. I'm really blown away by this beautiful mind and this beautiful conversation that we're able to have, and I look forward to collaborating with her more. And if you're interested in being a guest, uh, send us a message at blackequitynetwork at gmail.com. We would love to speak with you. I want to start talking with more authors and more thinkers, more artists, more painters. Could I find that the creatives is really the tribe, right? I mean, the investors and the people that are investing is great, but I've always uh, gravitated towards the investors with a creative mind. I'm just seeing so much content out there, just so everyone knows. I got in this game because I used to look at a lot of content and I would curate that content for the public, right? And I would listen to things and say, you know, I like what this person's talking about and it's factual. I want to share that. And I'm just noticing that a lot of content out there is, is starting to veer away from anything of substance. And it's kind of going towards that low vibrational uh, frequency that we were talking about on this episode. And so I feel like it's a responsibility here on this platform to keep the frequency high. And I was having a conversation uh, a couple weeks ago. We used to say that cream rises to the top. We used to say this. But I'm noticing now that sometimes poison will rise to the top before the cream does. And so what you're noticing is a lot of poison is rising up first. And it looks great. It looks wonderful. But it's not accurate. It's not sustainable. That's That's where I'm at now. If it's not sustainable, I don't want it. And today's conversation with Zaza, this is sustainable. This is something that's everlasting. This is forever. When we play this game called life, we play forever. And I'm glad we had this conversation today. And I look forward to speaking with everyone in the future on the next episode of Black Equity Podcast. See you soon.